welcome back to the fourth episode of Something in the Crumb, a podcast by Unsung Kim and Mom. And this, we, in this episode, we wanted to begin, or this will be the beginning of our episode on Crash Landing on You, um, a K-drama from last year, so 2019, the year that feels like was forever ago. Yes, yes, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> um, but it stars our main character from Something in the Rain, which was very exciting to us, um, but actually takes place, or half of the the show takes place in a in a in a nation state that doesn't receive too much kind of focused attention maybe rather than other than like the you know um hyperbolic headlines once in a while and that is north korea yes it's well the first half of the series begins in north well i guess it starts in south korea and then moves to north korea Mm -hmm. for several episodes and then we return to south korea again um the basic premise of the show is essentially a wealthy heiress, if you will, um, and entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, she owns a co- independent cosmetics company, Empire, I guess maybe you could say. Um, she uh, has a terrible family. Um, one. Incredibly wealthy incredibly insane some of them are murderous um and she is um her father basically appoints her to be his successor and of of their it's like a different family corporate empire yes right yeah yes and um there are many complications that are related to this choice one being that um, obviously both of her brothers assumed that they, you know, because we live under patriarchy, that they would be um, the obvious successors of the of this empire, um, and that it was only a competition between the two of them. Okay. But the other dimension to this is that it turns out that she is actually um, only their half sister. Because uh, her father, they share a father, and her father had an affair, I assume, with some woman who we don't really know much about. I don't think they even really talk about her at all. And she's basically the child born out of that affair um, and has somehow been not really taken into the family. Um, The mother doesn't approve of her, never really accepted her as uh, her own daughter, her brothers kind of hate her, but it's mutual because they were terrible to her. She hates them back. <laughs> and so the series starts off with essentially her um, being appointed uh, and to celebrate, <laughs> she decides to go paragliding. Is that the right sport name? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she 
like the premise is that she invents like a line of chic paragliding suits you know like everyone needs one and it's really cute it's yeah. like lilac yeah. <laughs> like great she wants jumpsuit. to like test it out make sure the fabric is like perfect and then she uh somehow lands on there's a storm yes there's some sort of storm uh tornado adjacent and it basically and she survives inside this thing and it tosses her into north korea um where she doesn't realize she's in north korea and then gets rescued by a north korean soldier Mm -hmm. and they fall in love (laughs) right um the lilac suit looks pretty good though so on some level the testing is successful though she does comment that she needs to do like fabric adjustments but that's kind of how the the show is set up that for her emotionally or in terms of substance there wasn't much in south korea she doesn't have a family she doesn't really have relationships she's a workaholic she's She has her business. Um, She has a lot of money. (laughs) Um, And most of the people in her life are there because she employs them. Right. They're kind of afraid of her. You know, she's kind of painted as a a bit of a fearful sort of CEO. Mm -hmm. She eats alone, you know. Um, Or she doesn't really eat, actually. Right. Because not quite often that she only eats three bites of anything to stay thin. Yes. Um, but she is basically a celebrity. Right. Though, well, because she dates a lot of high profile bachelors and photographers follow her around all the time. That kind of thing. But her life is very empty. Yes. So there is not much for her in South Korea, but then she lands in North Korea. And I, I, I feel like it might be kind of important to mention that, um, that part is like just kind of the way in which the border functions like the dmz border as we know from all borders it's it's basically a fiction you know like yeah we believe in land not borders yeah we don't believe in borders but also like this is like a border that's like if you are if you ever happen to be in um seoul's hole like you're really not that far from the dmz and you're really not that far from this other place and while the premise of like a paragliding fashion suit accidentally hopping the border is a little bit not the way that like Isn't like that far like, yeah like could you could you could you get tossed in an accident you know the 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 thing is is that like it really wouldn't be impossible I mean it is one of it's a highly militarized zone but yes. just in terms of like where are you in the city versus like where are you next to the border it's just not that far it's not like right. that far of a place right. to to think about so yeah um which is interesting you know when you think about actual geographic distance and how um it's actually completely meaningless in terms of uh the sort of you know social understanding mm-hmm. of a place as yeah. well you know and that comes up a lot in this series where it's like 
on both sides, um, there are complete misunderstandings or complete unawareness about what happens right. in Korea and, and in North Korea from either side, you yeah. know, where they're like, there's a lot of fish out of water kind of stuff that happens um, in this series where they go back and forth and they're like, are you kidding me? What's happening here? Why do people live like this? Yes. They couldn't live like this, you know? And how difficult, I mean, part of it is, is like the, the drama of the drama, but it is very, it's not easy for her to, you know, go back to South Korea. It ends up being kind of the struggle of the first like six, seven episodes that she tries really hard to get back and it's not simple and vice versa. That it's really like when we switch to like the South Korean side, it ends up being kind of a struggle for people to kind of, um, for like considering that the distance is not that far, the, 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 the difficulties between the two spaces are quite am amplified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was something that we kind of wanted to begin by talking about, that the show um, sets, you know, like the context is like the border of North and South Korea. And so immediately our, our two lovers are slightly like star-crossed in that like their love blends into this like Romeo and Juliet kind of space where they the, there's a structural force as to why it would make it really difficult. Like something like there's no such thing as them being able to text each other or really like send emails or, you know, for, for state, for structural reasons of state surveillance, like they're, once she returns, there's no way that they would really be able to communicate. And that's not, um, that would, that's not like a, just a concern of the drama. It's just genuinely a concern of the families that have been separated by the war um, and all of the other forces. So there's like that element that really heightens the drama of like her desire to return to this life that she is familiar with is also then becomes kind of heightened by the fact that she's never going to be able to see this guy that she's falling in love with ever again. So there's that aspect of it. But there's also the element of like a Kim and I have been talking about like a like a updated Snow White mm -hmm. element to the first um, the, to her kind of being situated in North Korea in that like there she is this like you know she's essentially like a princess like a CEO a very wealthy celebrity who then is stripped of everything that she has and then is surrounded in like essentially like a small village or like the woods mm -hmm. um she kind of has her like the ancillary of like the the, the small men who help her like there's literally a group of they're um, also working on a lot of projects you know just totally. like dwarves are where they're always just like working on the pipes fixing stuff <laughs> cleaning things and and that like that is where we thought that that was really interesting and that like so much of the love story very much hinged on her being helpless and vulnerable in North Korea. And therefore, like, the rescue fantasy is so strong, like, to rescue her from North Korea, but also the kind of vulnerability she has, she she represents as someone who, like, no longer has anything. She literally doesn't know anybody. She has no power. She has, like, no access to the system. She's essentially 
um yeah like she's like she has like no identity papers like she's like nothing right and so like the way that this guy takes care of her ends up being like the difference between life and death which is the context in which they find love yeah and the throughout the series though there is this um idea about how they save each other in different ways you know like um sometimes knowingly and sometimes unknowingly uh there's a lot of this kind of um going back to the fairy tale this kind of idea about like fate about um sort of like these people from previous lives like returning to each other um as the series progresses you realize that it which is also one of the strangest things too is like that these two characters actually met as strangers, but didn't formally meet, um, but they encountered each other in Switzerland <laughs> in what appears to be kind of a, a memorable moment. So it's actually kind of shocking that neither of them remember each other, even though, yes, it has been a few years, but the situation in which they, you know, meet each other in Switzerland is basically our lead character. She is depressed because, you know, her family's trash and everybody is just like awful in her life and, you know, whatever money is empty. So she <laughs> is like, you know, like whatever capitalism. And so she's just like, ugh, I like my low grade depression is turning into high grade depression and I'm going to go like, and she goes, um, to Switzerland and is like, I like, I'm interested in doctor assisted suicide. And this therapist is like, Ooh, I actually think you're like kind of not right for this. Cause it's like, I think you're like, just like a sad rich lady. And so <laughs> no, actually this isn't in Switzerland yet. She tells her, this is what she tells all of her, um, her like clients is like, you should just go to Switzerland. Are you sad? You're thinking of dying? Go to the mountains, which I think is a very weird thing to prescribe, but she does it. And so she goes to Switzerland and is going to jump off this giant suspension bridge. Like, what a way to go. And then... Well, because she does, she, she does take it very seriously. Like, she does meet a therapist. She, like, yeah. has a consulting session where she's like, I would like... Like, I... I would like you to help me take my life. Yeah. And and then when the doctor is like, mm, I don't know about this, she yeah. then goes to a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. To like take matters into her own hands. Yeah. And so she is basically like, you know, she's got a little hand recorder, just like Felicity or whatever, just being like, I love you, blah, blah, blah. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, this is it. And, <laughs> and she's about to do it. And so she's like recording this message. And then our lead male character, who's, like, a pianist who, you know, left North Korea to study. Um, he's an exchange music. student from North Korea. Yeah, exchange yeah. student. He's in Switzerland. He comes a lot. He loves it there. It's confusing, <laughs> but he loves it there. And he is also an amateur photographer, I guess. And so he's on this bridge taking pics. And then he hears her you know, talking to her Felicity recorder, being like, 
this is it, I'm ending my life. And he's like, oh God. And so he doesn't want to startle her. So instead he's like, ask, like, you know, she's about to jump or something. And he's like, excuse me, you know, acting like um, a stranger, just sort of saying, could you take my photo with this like cold woman that I've been arranged to marry? <laughs> and, and so, and you know, and it kind of like startles, startles her because obviously she was like stealing herself to just basically throw herself off this bridge. And then this is how they meet. And so why he doesn't remember this, I don't know. This seems like I pretty- mean, I don't know how many times you could encounter something like this. It seems right? <laughs> like probably unforgettable, to, for, for lack of a better word. You know, some people, they suffer from face blindness. I don't know. <laughs> doesn't remember it, though. But it keeps going back to all these different times in Switzerland or elsewhere that their lives had kind of, like cosmically yeah. overlooked in some way. And it also, you know, it steers this kind of belief in fate and that like, even though that all of these circumstances feel incredibly impossible, you know, they, like the universe will somehow bring them back together in the end. Right. So like, not only did she have this paragliding accident and then accidentally run into him when she crossed the border, like every single European city they might have been to, they have accidentally run across each other. So <laughs> they're really supposed to be together. Like it's not. Which like is they- also nuts. Like he's from North Korea. Like how many <laughs> European places is he getting to? I mean, it's impressive, you know. And and they're encountering each other in these in these very specific moments uh, where they need to be rescued. Yeah. Kind of circling back to this like. You know, what is, who is this rescue fantasy for? Mm-hmm. And my, my sort of immediate reaction when I was watching this was like, this rescue fantasy is like, it seemed so much about like the male gaze of like setting up this woman to kind of, you know, this powerful woman, powerful for, for all of the violent reasons of capitalism, but nevertheless, you like, uh, has like material access to like material resources mm-hmm. and then stripping all of this so that she like genuinely needs to be rescued and then it's in this context where like a guy can come in and rescue her and then from this is like where they derive like pleasure or where we're supposed to derive pleasure and then how like heteronormativity, heteronormativity like flourishes um, I mean though like as Kim's, Kim is saying, like, it's, like, a little bit updated, though, because we're supposed to say, like, oh, but, like, he's a little bit lost, too, because he's also has low-grade depression because <laughs> of, of just life on planet Earth, like, induces low-grade depression, and oh, she yeah. does come in. I mean, in. he's got this whole revenge thing, you know? There's, like, this whole thing. Like, the reason why he's back in North Korea and in the military is because his brother was in the military. Like, his father and his brother um, were slash are in the military. His father is actually, it's revealed, is, like, a very senior um, person in the military. He's a director or something. <laughs> um, and and his brother was, uh, was in the military and then was mysteriously killed in an accident. 
And it sort of brings him back home. And, you know, I think it's, you know, sort of the reason why his life is kind of routine and a little bit, um, you know, emotionally repressed in that way too, where he's just kind of like, I'm sad. My brother died. There's no point to living. I just kind of lived this regimented sort of Mm -hmm. life um, in which I live in this small village. You know, I work with these dudes. I put them to work. And all these, like, all the women in town just seem to love me. I have no interest in any of them. I just, like, I just am sad about not being able to play the piano. Yes. Um, so they're, yeah, so it's like updated and that they're supposed to be rescuing each other, though it's really pulled from a kind of Romeo and Juliet meets Snow White, perhaps, is like the best way to sort of describe, I think, like the kind of, mm -hmm. it's like so much about, even though it is slightly flipped about, you know, him being fish out of water, it's like. Even when he's in South Korea, it's just, like, so much about him excessively being overprotective. So overprotective. That's, you know, it's just, like, she can't even put on a sweater without him being, like, let me, you know? Yes. And, and it's, like, it's a, it's a lot, too, like, in terms of, you know, how successful she is, how competent she is in so many ways, how tough she is. You know, like, there's actually... Um, especially in the latter half of the series where she's like, I am not afraid of any of these people, even though several people have tried to murder me, yeah. <laughs> including my mother. <laughs> and, and like, but at the same time, despite all of this, it's like, she's just super into the fact that he also just saves her and protects her. I mean, I, and I guess this is like, I think it's important to kind of emphasize this very clearly i don't think we have any bad faith listeners shout out to a girl in egypt for like love you write us if you want tell us what you're watching <laughs> i don't think we have any bad faith listeners but i think it's maybe important to clarify that like I don't subscribe to any kind of like bullshit white feminism that believes that we're all independent characters full of agency kind of like you know looking for equal partnerships with like separate banking bank bank accounts like that's not what I (laughs) like that I'm not like I don't subscribe to that at all I think that like romance and relationships and friendships and all of this shit is like really complicated and very messy and nothing is clean and we like come with so much baggage and like this is why psychoanalysis exists and like fairy tales like very much tell us something about like the way that fantasy develops and like fantasy is not about correction like I I don't think I think it's clear it should be made clear that Kim and I are not pointing out the rescue fantasy because we think that there's a corrective like to be made where like two people have bank accounts and they want them to be kept separate and then they meet each other in like I don't know, like some very, I don't even know how you would have like a white supremacist, uh, oh my gosh, white feminist. <laughs> Whoa, Whoa. <great> flip. <laughs> um, I don't Not even, wrong though. <laughs> like I, I, I have no, like, I have no prescription, you know, for this like boring equal 
partnership, like, K-drama? <laughs> prescription for two, like, totally depressed rich people that find each other? I have no prescription for this, like... However, I think it's just really important to point out that the rescue fantasy is just like the reason we're pointing it out is that like the violence is actually quite heavy and mm-hmm. it's felt it's like it's the the gendered violence of the kind of that that's asked or the gendered violence that's induced of the fantasy is like very serious like to have a, a character a woman essentially be like a child for like seven episodes it that's like that cannot be that 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 I I just like think it's important to just like lay out that that is not like a realm of fantasy I I ever play in like reverting back to like a moment of childhood right now where like I have nothing is like just not how I envision my fantasies Mm -hmm. like not that my fantasies are like not problematic it's just like that is not my fantasy that feels this feels like a male fantasy like it does not feel like like a non-male fantasy and I just felt like that was important to say that the Snow White fantasy I don't think is one that like grown women necessarily subscribe to only because it's just really so fucking difficult to even just be like I don't know like the level of like as we discussed in something in the rain like gender violence at work or just like having people not believe that you're competent Mm -hmm. you know is hard enough as it is to then be fundamentally reduced to someone who like is just fun it's like is helpless but is in the body of like a grown woman like that's that's particular I think yeah well absolutely and I mean I think it's also it's not a fantasy for us because I think it's also more just like an accurate or not accurate but it's just kind of like a lens into childhood trauma oh yeah (laughs) right like this is like it's actually like that's how you read it more so than because it's actually what we understand fantasy to be Mm -hmm. because you know and then this is true of fairy tale as well right it's like somebody's mom's dead somebody's dad is dead like all of these things are kind of related to like some type of familial issue and like this is true for her too where it's like it it takes on another kind of dark you know sort of context in which it's like she like she's a child she gets saved these men are taking care of her but it's like it's like you can just make those connections so immediately about like her sort of um you know cold father in a way mm-hmm. that is probably the closest family member she has at the yeah. end of the day yeah her two awful brothers one of whom is pure evil and actually murderous mm-hmm. and then her mother who like never gave her any love you know and it's like of course she's trapped in childhood of course she wants to be rescued literally abandoned yeah. on a beach by her own mother you know left to die and actually she's kind of been like left to die multiple times right right in a way so it's sort of like you're just like what fantasy is this This is not a fantasy yeah so there's so there's that element of it that i i just felt like that should be clear that like i don't have a prescription i don't think kim has a prescription 
corrected. Now, if you're perceiving it as fantasy, the odds are good. Yeah. You're in a different camp. <laughs> yes. But if you think that this is idealized love, Oof. this is like, a, you know, we don't know what to say. This is, <laughs> we just don't know what to say. Um, you might actually hear more about this in future episodes where we talk about emotionally unavailable men. <laughs> who are nevertheless overprotective. It's like, you are not emotionally available, but you're super protective. Like, what is the Freudian analysis? Like, what should we be reading to, like, learn about this? Do you have recommendations? Like, send us your recommendations. I'm like, and I maybe I should say this. I am, I, I'm just like, I have, like, an ancillary interest to, like, analysis. <laughs> like, it's like, it's so not a class I would teach. It would, it's so not anything I would sort of, like, I have, like, I basically, like, read it obsessively sometimes and then but like I skim it a lot and then I listen to podcasts of like um podcasts kind of made for therapists or practicing psychotherapists and then I just like tell Kim about like my thoughts Great. on what they said which is like <laughs> not really so like all of this is basically to say that I'm like below amateur but never, I think that it's useful. But perfectly <laughs> equipped to assess television. <laughs> yeah, perfectly equipped to assess television. But like, you know, just um, that's all. Maybe that's the end of that sentence. Okay. <laughs> so there's like that. So the fan, so like the fantastical element kind of goes really well with the violence of heteronormativity which is just kind of enacted again and again, but that's situated as idealized love. <clears throat> and that's cutesy and lovely and wonderful um, and fun to watch. Much more fun than one spring day or night. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's night. There's actually a lot of night scenes. Oh, so okay. Night. Um, and, and, you know, because they're just at their jobs. <laughs> And the element of drama that's supposed to really add to this that we mentioned before was, is the question of like half of the series taking place in a place that we don't really hear from very much, which is North Korea. Or like we don't really hear about North Korea unless it's like, you know, something about missiles or something about some kind of, I think like the way that the, North, the uh, West portrays North Korea is pretty flat. So you don't get like seven episodes. You get like a short documentary made by like a white person. But like, you know, like this seemed like a much more involved um, rendering. But also, I mean, yes, very, um, you know, I think there were a lot of attempts to really humanize North Korea, right? Like actually give it a face of like, you know, this is actually... Um, a play, and I mean, it's actually not probably that. Um, it's not that unusual. There's also this sort of premise about like the rural urban divide, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of making North Korea as being sort of like rural and small town, but also like this is where true relationships can be formed exactly. and like real real people live here. And nice people are here. And, like, the, the big city is, like, 
cold and flashy and like you know evil in a way so there was this kind of setup that was sort of created um in this funny way even though it's like most Korea has cities you guys I mean and maybe we should preface and say that the North Korean government has stated that they're not into this drama that they think it's state propaganda which like probably is all media is probably state propaganda so you know let's just Let's just begin there. Um, <laughs> we agree with you, North Korea. We agree with you. Look, like the like, it's not like Hollywood is not um, a tool of the state. So, like, we yeah. don't have any. Just we don't think that these are like. We don't think that representation is liberation. We'll never subscribe yeah. to that that fantasy either. But I guess I did think. So, like, I thought like North Korea as the character in the show was really interesting because. I did think that there were elements where they were not caricatures and they maybe couldn't be caricatures because we spent so much time with them. You mm-hmm. know, like they were as not caricatures as everyone else. Like everyone is like kind of a caricature, but like not really. I mean, I do think that this is why like you and I have been so into like shows like Crash Landing and something is that like at least the woman ends yeah. up kind of becoming more than a caricature. And I think that the women that we meet in North Korea end up having kind of um, stories, interiority, like desire, and we see that. However, the North Korea that they do set up is essentially, like the way that they go about making it not a caricature is that they say it's just like everywhere else, particularly (laughs) Korea. They're like, they're obsessed with commodity fetishism. They're obsessed with malls and shopping. You know, like it's basically like a secret capitalism, but like with other kinds of language, which like, you know, it has been this has been the critique of China that like Mm -hmm. under the mandate of communism, it's a capitalist nation state, which like that's not wrong. Hyper capitalism, hyper hyper capitalism. But I I do wonder because I'm like, um, I don't know. It was like I did wonder like about the I don't know if this is what humanizes them. Like, I don't know if it's, like, that element of North Korea that humanizes them or, like, makes the characters more complex that, like, they, too, live under the banner of, like, <laughs> neoliberal capitalism. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. No, I think, I think it, you know, I do think that's part of it, though. Um, I don't think it's the entirety of why it humanizes them, but I think that... Um, there is also like, you know, I think particularly in, as they refer to us, capitalistic countries, yeah. um, I think that there is a very, uh, you know, kind of mono understanding that people have of communism in communist countries. And, you know, a lot of things that are relatively true and a lot of things that aren't. And, like, I think that, you know, even what you're saying about the female characters, it's like, it's in the same way that if we understand North Korea or like communist countries, it's like, they also have more dimension than we often grant them, you know? Um, and I think that it's like, one of the things about it is like, oh, North Korea, you know, it's so severe. It's so hostile. It's angry. It's violent. Like, it has all of these like stereotypes and associations. And so then part of it is like, oh, these people also struggle under capitalism. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm, I see this. Yes. They have similar desires that are also flawed. Yeah. You know? 
Um, and that at the end of the day, they're just people mm-hmm. in the same way, you know, like living their lives, living their lives, having relationships, being just as complicated and not both like burdened and not as burdened as we like to believe living, you know, under regimes or under these things always feel, you know, I think that it's like, especially um, kinds of these Western relationships to other places where it's like, you must just be living in crisis all the time, you know, and that like, you must just be thinking about how you live in this country all the time. And it's like, I don't know, sometimes these people are also just like, I love this man and he doesn't want me back. That's yeah. what I'm upset about. Right yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. That's what upsets me. The potatoes are gone and I want more potatoes and I'm hungry. Like, it's not just that like every minute of every fucking day, I'm just like, I live in a communist country. You know, it's like, please, I feel that way in the capitalistic country, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, but speaking of the corn and the potatoes, that is like maybe one smart. thing that they try to do to differentiate between the two nation states or the border <laughs> is that like, the North Koreans like are wholesome and the wholesomeness is represented by like sweater fashion and the foods that they eat, which is supposed to be like very simplified, like boiled potatoes. Yes. And eat a lot of crusty rice bits. <laughs> crusty rice bits. But like, but it's also like really good. Like this yes. girl who's never had an appetite all of a sudden wants to eat all the potatoes all the time. Loves a just straight up boiled egg, like nobody's business. And then the elements of state violence that I think we do hear about sometimes, like surveillance and torture, it's almost made, it's almost normalized in the strange way where one (laughs) of the, one of the, there's there's a guy who's assigned to essentially record everything that the two main characters say and he becomes kind of he he it's al- it's almost like not that big of a deal that he's doing this and he he's, he becomes like in on the plot so he ends up becoming kind of a character in the in the space so when there's an opportunity perhaps to deal and grapple with something kind of serious it becomes incorporated back in and, and then other things like the corn and the potatoes become heightened as like, that's the difference rather than like the fact that. Oh yes. You know. Well, and it's like, it's a really, <laughs> it's actually a very humorous show. You know, it's like, there's a lot of drama, a lot of emotion, a lot of crying. Um, but there's also a lot of like quirky humor, which I think comes up a lot more, probably in the first half in a way, mm-hmm. I think in this kind of like novel, like we're in North Korea way. But I think in this strange kind of pairing, what happens like with that humor is like exactly what you were saying too, where it's like, we're just like, okay with extrajudicial killing. I guess. <laughs> like, it's just like, cool, cool, cool. You know, it's like potatoes. This place is so zany. <laughs> like, yeah. But that's really how it's like, this is what happens. It's like, whatever, like extrajudicial killing happens. And sometimes it's just like, it's been a long day. I can't deal with it right now. I got to go home. I got to boil some water, take a bath in like this plastic, like shower bin or whatever. So I think maybe this is where we could perhaps like really go into his overprotection of her, but also like the plot line of her needing to go or wanting to go back 
to South Korea. And then how then this like sets up like at least three or four attempts where he tries to help her. And then like things happen like state violence or some other thing that we learn about that then is just like kind of folded into like why she has to continue to stay. Do you want to say stuff? Something about this whole plot is like yeah. so intense. And there is, um, we'll talk about this as well in the next couple episodes um, for when we discuss future series. But there is this like, <laughs> there's always this like kind of like hyper evil lunatic <laughs> you know? that will stop at nothing to destroy people. And, you know, murders a lot of people in the process. And you kind of start to lose sight. You know, I think it's a little bit more clear in this series, like, why he does it. But there's just kind of like, we just understand this guy's just like, it's just a killer. You know, he just murders people. It's really violent. And I like, and there's part way through where I'm just like, why are you so obsessed? And with, like killing these people? Like, I, mean, I like, I just, I, yeah, like the obsession is extreme and i think like maybe with this series we didn't really need so many murderous side characters <laughs> there was at least three there was like the guy from north korea yes. there was her um her sister-in-law and then her brother the yes. three of them like were really <laughs> really <laughs> devoted to like so yeah they really wanted to kill her and like worked throughout to try to kill her but the thing is, is that we were already set up with the fact that the border was going to be such a source of drama for them. So then it became it. They I mean, if anyone was a caricatures, probably the three of them, because yeah. at some point you were like, why are you? Why are you so, con, you know, like, why are you so committed to this? Like, it's like really not that interesting. It adds it. It. And, so, and it, for me, like, whenever I see characters like this, it's just kind of stressful because I think of them as just there to add to the stress, like, not there to add to, like, the complexity or, like, the nuance of it. But then also, I was, like, I I was trying to imagine, like, without the guy in North Korea who was trying to murder her, would yeah. he, would, like, would they, would the main character need to protect her as much? Like, is that why he was... Was that one of the reasons? Or would it have been, like, kind of difficult for her to cross regardless, you know? I mean, I do think it would have been hard for her to cross regardless. Yeah. But probably just not enough drama, you know? I do think that there were, obviously, like, in, you know, one of her attempts, like, when she tried to, like, go on that secret boat and kind of be smuggled to another boat, you know, that was a bit of a stressful moment. But I think that the majority of her other attempts drama was added because of this murderous dude who mm -hmm. was trying to catch her. And I mean, it does, you know, his reasoning killing her seems a bit thin. I feel like he's more invested in killing him. Well, he wants to kill her because at some point her brother in South Korea tells him oh, right. that he doesn't ever want her to go back. And it right. doesn't matter. He's like in cahoots. Yeah. With, so yeah, they so end up collaborating. And then this then, then and then the way that they explain why she has to be smuggled out is because if they were to go through proper channels, 
then yeah. we don't know what would ever happen to her. Like maybe yeah. she would just disappear in the state system of North Korea. But yeah. that's really, it's like brought up like once or twice, but not discussed. Okay. What yeah. do we think though, realistically about, I mean, we can't talk realistically. Nobody knows <laughs> anything about North Korea. I know. But, but like, okay, let's just say as a woman, it's very wealthy, very um, famous. And let's remove the fact that, like, it turns out it's, like, the murderous brother that discovers that she's there. But it's, like, whatever. Say she's got actually, like, one decent sibling that's not, like, a total, like, trash bag. And that sibling is, like, we got to get her out of North Korea. Mm -hmm. Could they just do, like, is there a channel, (laughs) like, actually a channel that would allow them to bring her back? Because she's also someone that's, like, famous. so famous and so well-known and that, like, you know, like, Look. Janice Brodman coming in and out of there or whatever. Look, the thing is, is that, I mean, people have spoken about how it's probably easier for non-Koreans to go th- through right. North Korea, but then it's, like, that's sometimes up in the air. It's right. unclear. I do think that, like, I do think that it's, the critique of North Korea is very serious. Like, I don't think that there's anything flippant about it. I think I'm in disagreement with the white kind of communist slash Marxists on Twitter who seem to have like admiration for North Korea, which is very confusing for me. It's just very confusing. You know, like I I don't think any nation states need any compliments from us, like period. No, they're fine. (laughs) <laughs> like, I just don't think, I think they have their own PR people, their own press secretaries. I don't think they need our compliments. No, I think we don't care about Marxist bros. Yeah. This podcast is not for you. <laughs> we don't think you're listening. But, you know, I th- I take this the critiques If very- you accidentally, for some reason, click several keywords that we can't even imagine that you would string together and you've gone to episode four of something in the crumb or you just happen to be here we're not here for you and you don't need to write us but with that being said i do like i take i think north korea is always going to be a tricky topic because the way that the west wants to portray north korea is always just like fucked and problematic yeah. uh, because it's not interested in North Korea. It's just interested in like caricature, which is maybe just how the West thinks of all people who are not what they believe is like a part of them. Um, and by the West, I mean like, you know, white supremacy and like the global North, which doesn't always require white people. And then there's like the 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 fact that we don't need to give compliments to nation states, and we definitely, I don't think, need to protect or coddle North Korea. Like, oh god, oh god, we don't need to do that. And very serious things are happening there, just like very serious things are happening everywhere else. So, and this isn't this isn't to mitigate the violence there right but it's I also think it's like very it is serious that we don't have all of the information and then to take the little bits of information that we do have and just kind of incorporate it or normalize it into a a subplot or like the plot might not be like 
I mean, it isn't. It, I I think that that could be like dangerous. Yeah. 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 Well, I would say that um, you know, crash landing did enter into that danger zone. It was one of the most popular television shows in Korea. Did it mm-hmm. surpass? I think I feel like I read something about it. it was like one of the like the most watched show. Um, it was well done. I think that that's really clear. They, I think that they got the elements together. It was really well written. Styling was great. I think that there was so much complexity in the in the um, lead female character in particular. I don't know if there was that much complexity in the male character. Do you think there was? No. I mean, I don't think that he was completely flat he does he does play more of a i mean this is very common a kind of shut off sort of um love interest in a way um i don't think yeah i feel like you know i mean his life story is terrible Mm -hmm. the same way but it is also kind of like you know murdered brother aside, mostly sort of like a privileged, you know, kind of sad story, right? Where it's like, I miss Switzerland and I miss playing piano. On the rivers or the lakes. (laughs) On the rivers. Or the lakes. concert halls. You know, it's kind of like, okay, like, (laughs) you've suffered, I guess. And they... so not that, not that everyone, so the, I guess like the word dangerous, like the reason I did use the word dangerous is because people who have chosen to leave North Korea have openly discussed how difficult it was to leave mm-hmm. and how difficult it is to live there. And part of the premise of the show is that the the soldiers that make up the sort of men who help her in the snow white fantasy, the North Korean soldiers, they all remain to the end, very committed and proud to the North Korean nation state. And even when they do enter South Korea, have pretty much like no desire to stay. Yeah. It's actually really, um, it's kind of surprising and not surprising, you know, like they spend several episodes of like them sort of discovering things in South Korea and sort of being like, you know, there is one that's like kind of like more of a hardcore, hardcore traditionalist in a way that it's like suspicious of everything when they're in South Korea, but like all of the individual characters like have some like thing that they've like learned or like that they're kind of in love with about South Korea. They're like, Oh my God, look at all the instant ramen that is here. Amazing. You get to eat meat all the time. Look at all this electricity. Um, There's like these gamer rooms. Like they just like, everything is just like, wow, wow, wow. There's this one, the one character that they're always talking about is being so handsome. It's like, people are just like, would you like to be a model? You know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, South Korea just loves these guys. And, but then when given, when they, they get caught effectively for being there because they're on a secret mission, 
And then when the South Korean um, investigators, if you will, uh, discover that they're there and they kind of like interrogate them, it's all very gentle though, like nothing actually, um, not like a very intense interrogation, but they kind of put it on the table that like, you can stay here, we can let you stay here because you're not doing anything terrible. And they all just choose to go back in the end. All of them. And maybe the next episode will be about the the show as it takes place in South Korea but I think that like the torture scenes make it really clear that the North Koreans are really basically like they just like don't really have real laws like they just everyone kind of just does whatever they want versus like the torture the quote unquote torture that the soldiers receive the North Korean soldiers receive (laughs) in South Korea it's not even torture it's like everyone like has really nice food like they just it's basically they get meals they hang out together yeah and they don't like and 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 like they don't have meals at like it's not like they're incarcerated it's just like it looks like they're kind of at work they're all yeah. like hanging out at work and everyone's the south korean police they're so reasonable and so kind they look great <laughs> they've got great suits looks excellent <laughs> So sympathetic to their entire situation. Stunning. But it's true, though, because, like, in North Korea, it's, like, the entire time you see people, it's, like, oh, you're being interrogated. Here's, like, the sad bowl of soup, and then turns out we're going to kill you. Like, that's what's going on, you know? And, like, it's all this dim lighting. It's basically only, like, there's no in-between. It's kind of like, oh, we capture you straight to torture. Yeah. And, and also the way that, like, the murderous dude kills people, it's, like, so violent, you know? He has this, like, you know, I don't know why, I don't know how many of these things that they're producing. It's, like, a whole factory of them or something. But he's, like, manufacturing these, like, insane blades that he puts in front of, like, these giant military trucks to just, like, ram into cars and then kill people. It's super violent and crazy. And you're just like, hmm, okay, you know, I believe this to be true, actually. (laughs) Absolutely. And no one asks questions. And everybody is covering it up. And that's the way it is. So then since, so it does make the question of like, why would the soldiers want to go back? It's like, well, we have, like, we don't actually see anything from, there is no representation that the show gives us of the nation state that makes it seem like there's anything like equitable, any like due process, any kind of like anything other than like the potatoes and the corn. Oh, also the electricity doesn't really function. So there are just like bare, basic, basic, kind of um, perhaps like in a capitalist nation state, what's considered to be like basic life goods, like Wi-Fi, telephones, electricity doesn't really function. So then just having the soldiers, the North Korean soldiers just be like, obviously we're committed. Yeah. But this this goes back though, I think to the rural, you know, city life, metropolitan kind of like, parallel right where it's like they just want to have a simple life Mm. they would just love to return to just like the simple life 
you know, and, and because they painted as such, as if like, you know, this this torture town is just like potatoes and good times, and where real people are, and and they are like real people in comparison to everyone that we meet in South Korea who's not a real person. Maybe that is like the one real thing that the show does get right is that capitalism, neoliberal capitalism, not just like communism on top capitalism on the bottom but just like neoliberal capitalism just induces a lot of vapidness in everyone because like everyone in south korea is just like no there's not a single like the the only reason one of her brothers that she has two brothers one really wants to kill her the other one doesn't want to kill her the only one the other one doesn't want to kill her is because he kind of hates the other one yeah. So he's just like, whatever, I just don't want that guy to get it. So it's like, no one is like, no one has any kind of emotional depth. Everyone just like wants more power or like some variation of this. And so how is she supposed to find love in that nation state? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, all of her suitors, you know, in South Korea are also just like equally vapid, equally materialistic. Um, and she kind of like, like she had, like, it's not until after she has her awakening (laughs) in North Korea that she's able to develop relationships with people and again, still her employees in a very strange Mm -hmm. way. Um, but it's like everyone in South Korea is just like painted as having like great hair really nice cars and they don't value or appreciate all of these things that they have. Yes. Yes. You know, where would you say that you thought at some, would you say you were even questioning why she wanted to return? Considering yeah, I, that- think I, did. I, I did. Like, I think I feel like I texted you this where I was like, is she not going to go back? Is that what's going to happen here? Is that they're like reframing this whole thing as being like, I'm just going to have this like simple life and stay here and live with this guy. And it's great. Like, I don't need to return. Maybe it's fine not to return. Because one of the, one of the attempts in getting in him kind of working to return her back was like, he got his dad to put her on the North Korean Olympic roster so that she could get on a plane to Europe. Except she's clearly not a, she's, I think it's like a ski team or something. Yeah. So like, she's like, but, and like her father does state or his father does state really clearly that, you know, I don't know who you want, to go to the Olympics in Europe. But (laughs) if this person doesn't come back, then I can't, there's nothing I can do to help you. You will probably be incarcerated. And he's just like, that's fine. So then at one point, I guess it was really confusing because it was made clear that if she were to return, that his life would essentially be in shambles in, in North Korea. And so it was like, is are they just going to have her? Is that part of the fantasy that like the Snow White just never ever returns and she just kind of collapses into the woods? Yeah, I mean, I think that was kind like it did feel like that, you know, it totally felt as though it was like 
I think there is this kind of like underlying wholesome Christian kind of thing to the series in this way where it's just like if like she just like does away with all these materialistic you know her like materialistic wealth she just like does away with the evils of living in like a metropolitan city she can just like lead the simple life with her nice sweaters you know where nothing bad happens even though like the worst things happen to her the worst (laughs) things happen like again the murderous dude who like like multiple times tries to kill her and it's just like it's it is about um this sort of like bubble that exists you know where she's like here's a place free like free of violence and free of repression maybe and I can just like make myself anew somehow mm-hmm. it is kind of as if it because this is actually it's actually a very interesting parallel too because people in South Korea because they have no idea what's going on in North Korea and do not know where she is she just has gone missing they think she's died and so in a way going to North Korea it's like she didn't commit suicide and she just like died Mm-hmm. you know and but she's like North Korea is like living in heaven like, but also like if you it, it is like really interesting that you say that because it's almost like if you are no longer a part of a neoliberal capitalistic system yeah, you might just, as well be dead you, you are might dead. as well be dead you're not in our system you're dead you're dead to us you know yeah. we're not going to wait that long we're going to sell your shares take over yeah, your company you goodbye you don't have stuff anymore you don't have a life period yeah Yeah, I think and there's like a lot initially like when she's like I gotta get back I gotta get back I have a very important like shareholder meeting I have to get back because basically it's like yeah like her investments are going to be sold off her company's going to disappear all of these things go away she doesn't exist she vanishes and she says this like she says this kind of directly to him she's like you don't care you don't you don't know about shares and you don't know about stocks (laughs) And it's not important to you, but it's important to me. Like, this is my life. Like, this is my yeah. life's work. This is how I validate my existence. I mean, she doesn't say that part. But she says, like, this is, like, this is my life's work. Like, this is what she's been working towards is, is this yeah. vote and this meeting being named the heir or at least being able to hold her company. But yeah. I think that, that time does also operate strangely in the drama, but not so strangely on a level of like she's not in North Korea for years and years and years she's there for oh. maybe a handful of maybe like less than I would say something like a month maybe two at most but it doesn't seem like she's there for that long uh, yeah I'm not even sure it's two months like I think that the first couple episodes are only it's a couple days or something but they right? sell but, off her thing or they try to t- overtake her company real fast they're like immediately. it dead. was like less than 72 hours or something where they were just like she's gone she's dead storm it's over there's no chance that she survived and the only person that actually like really actively is concerned about her which is funny because i think he is like probably a genuine nice person the only um, nice person in all of south korea is this guy is this guy, this, like, insurance guy. <laughs> but the reason why he is also doing it is for his own personal gain because they're, like, 
I think, right? Like, isn't there's like a whole thing where it's like, you're going to get fired, basically, because you kind of fucked this up. And he's like, it will, he's like, this will resolve itself if I just find her alive. Yes. If I find her alive, it'll be fine. And then, like, the crooks that are insurance companies will not have to pay out the psych life insurance. There's like a whole other thing to get into that's like really awful. But he does, like, you know, he's incredibly persistent about how the fact that he doesn't believe that she's died mm-hmm. and that she's still out there and he does everything he can to search for her and tries to, like, you know, tell her family. But her family's just, like, you know, garbage and they're, like, try to, you know, the brother is like, um, I'm just going to take this information, figure out where she is, and then just kill her in North Korea and it's fine. <laughs> exactly. So then I guess as and we can talk about this a little bit here but also in our next episode we will touch on how or we'll go into more uh, like when she does return she does eventually return so they they drag it out enough episodes to the point where i start wondering i did start wondering at some point i was like well maybe she just won't return maybe she'll just maybe she'll just be north korean and like that it will be that like this is what you this is what you give up for love but she does return kind of midway through the season, which I do think is kind of many episodes to give to this other potential, this other world and life. Mm-hmm. But it's made pretty clear that she's not that happy. She's become a different person. And but I was also which made me actually wonder even more why did she return? You know, and I think that maybe that that's part of what was being prompted i don't know what do you think well in the end like towards the end of the series you know she well it happens in the beginning and then they return to it at the end where um in the beginning she gives this tomato plant to to her her love interest our lead male character and he you know he's kind of like i don't like tomatoes i don't want to raise this plant and she is like, look, all you got to do is just like, whatever, say, is it like 10? It's five or 10, like, really like things that make you happy or positive things to it every day. And this thing will grow. And so later on in the series, he gives her a plant in exchange. And so she is like, okay, I'm going to say the things that matter to me. And then she goes through her five things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first four are basically related to, like, going public with her company, shares about, like, it's basically, like, all, like, the first four are just, like, money, business, her job, and then, like, the last one is him. Um, which you could be like, oh, the last was the most important. <laughs> but mm, I kind of feel like that's that's why she comes back to South Korea. At the end yeah. of the day, it's also, like, her entire identity and the things that matter. She totally loves this guy. Absolutely. But she also like, it's not about giving up all this other stuff in order to just like be with him, which is also why at the end of the series, spoiler alert, they reunite um, after being apart for actually, I think a couple of years in Switzerland. And then I th- it's hard to tell if he lives in Switzerland or he's just there two weeks out of the year and then she just goes to see him 
for two weeks? Unclear. But it's kind of like, just move to Switzerland. Like, I don't understand. Exactly, exactly. She it's just doesn't have it. I don't know. They, I don't know why. They can't just, like, be... If they, if they always were able to meet in Switzerland, what was the big deal? I mean, I think the... the, the yeah, it was very strange. I did I did tell my brother this, and he was like, how did you not know they were going to end up in Switzerland? And I was like, because they set up all this drama, and there was like a, three murders, whatever. <laughs> and like, you know, they really made it seem like they really did play up this sort of border division. And I think it's true that the reason that they can only meet in Switzerland for two weeks at a time is because they can't, they're not like texting buddies. There's like no... They haven't figured out a way to be like email buddies or texting buddies, though he does somewhat correspond with somebody in North Korea with like kind of encrypted messaging. Wait, what's that about? How is he able to just like get on her computer and then have access to all these like secret military files or whatever? I'm just like, what? Is that a VPN thing? Like, what is this? That is so funny. So I don't know enough about the interweb, but I'm like, it only goes that way, but not this other way. I'm like, okay, sure. But he's also in the military, which like, I feel as though that would grant you some different kinds of access to certain things. No. Exactly. But yeah, this is all to say that, well, one, maybe it is always just like, something to keep in mind that she her identity is wrapped up in neoliberal capitalism and her value in it and that doesn't change um but spoiler alert they do end up figuring out some way to kind of still be together while keeping their respective identities by hanging out for two weeks at a time in switzerland so it's a very very specific unorthodox love story but it's fine we support all of those Super specific LD. It's like yeah. they're doing what they can. It's their <laughs> busy lives. They seem to have some sort of home because it's, I don't, I mean, maybe it's an Airbnb, but they bring their frame photos. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> oh, Kim, that's like so perfect. We're like, yeah. You just like bring your photos everywhere and you like lay it out. Pack a suitcase. Make it home. Frame pics from your last two week time together in Switzerland. And then they just sit on like some meadow and like look at the mountains and love their lives or whatever. But they're able to have separate lives uh, and hang out at the same time, which is, I do actually think that this is like, there's like a technical term for it. It's like, living apart but together it's what a lot of like older people who are like in their 30 or like their third or fourth marriage or just like you know find love and they're older have this setup where they won't give up their respective homes but they're gonna stay together oh yeah they're almost modeling that for that yeah i think it's actually really um it's a lot more common than i think people think you know and it's i think especially for um, yeah, like families that are divorced, families that have um, like single parents, you know, that maybe are like, we don't need to be blending everybody right now. It's actually fine. Right, right. Um, yeah, and so it is, you know, it's this kind of like long and somewhat imperfect, but also perfect kind of scenario for yeah. the two of them 
in which I guess they don't text. They just see each other for two weeks in Switzerland during this music competition. And I mean, it is also like this amazing, you know, love in a pre-internet time, I guess. You know, there's a lot of these like funny things like when not only like how they sort of have this relationship now where they, you know, they can't text with each other, but even while they were in North Korea, it's like the only way to get a hold of him was for her to like call a landline. A landline. And it only went to his like office phone or whatever it was. And then I think eventually he gets a cell phone. (laughs) But it's, but the cell phone is like very specific. It's not like, it's not like a cell phone where you can call whomever you want to. There's like no texting involved. There's no sexting involved. (laughs) There's no emojis. There's no cute selfies. There's just like straight biz. There's no, there's no shoulder eroticas. Here. There's zero shoulder erotica. There's no need. Actually, this is very interesting. Does revenge porn even exist in North Korea? <laughs> I mean, who knows? But also, <laughs> I was going to say this, and then maybe we can touch on it in the next episode, but they do kiss like once or twice and they hug each other sometimes and I feel like they touch each other's hands sometimes but for the most part it's like a super g-rated romance this is why I'm like it's a little bit Christian you know because no I think you're right that it's like when she lets go of her materialism she's able to find love but then it's like Christian capitalism because it's it's not like and then you become a communist it's like <laughs> no no you then are a better person and then you get That's to be what a flips into cautionary yeah. tale and then you become a communist <laughs> it's like no no you become this better person and then you're able to be a better capitalist because then yes. you're nicer to your workers who are still your workers so and true. then you all, and then you're you're not that nice though because you you have lunch at Subway. So how mm-hmm. nice are of a boss are you really? And etc. <laughs> I mean, you're still a boss. So. You're still a boss. You're the boss of a multinational cosmetics industry. Last well, so. I heard, that place is not a co-op. So. <laughs> I don't think I don't think any of those people have any investments in those in that company. Yeah, not a co-op. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. That is another good idea for a website that Kim and I should do or like a podcast series where we just review shows and we like talk about how to make it like anti-capitalist. Like what would be the anti-capitalist model that could be utilized? In order to make this, like, like oh, yeah, if those, like, whatever, was, like, converted to co-ops, like, that was converted <laughs> to that, then, you know. It could be an instructional guide on how to be basically just a failing business. Yeah. <laughs> we will take the successful businesses and the dream businesses that you've set up in your film and televisions and talk about how you could drive it into the ground. <laughs> just straight abolish. Straight abolish. Yes. 
I mean, it's all fiction. It's all fantasy. So why can't we participate in your fiction and fantasy? They're eating a lot of Subway, as you know. So <laughs> That's pure fiction. Let's pure fiction. Here we are. <laughs> We're supposed to believe that she eats Subway all the time. And all she's... the time for lunch, all the time for dinner. That's where she chooses to treat people. Yeah. You know? Like, it's like, hey, lunch is on me. Let's go to Subway. It's like Spoken like culture. a true boss, yeah. I have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Too cheap to buy a real meal, but sure. Um, but I think that this is where we should sort of say goodbye for the first episode, unless you have other things that you would like to add or teasers that you would like to give. Well, I we did not get into it for this episode, but I think we'll talk about it, our usual fashion recap. Oh, yes. Um, because there are a lot of different fashion choices that happen when she's in North Korea and when she's in South Korea. And I feel like we should definitely get into it because the whole time she was in North Korea, I was like, North Korean style. Great. (laughs) (laughs) No extrajudicial killing and torture, but excellentness. (laughs) And, and by great, I think it should be clarified that it's like great knits, great midi skirts, great yes. hair, but also all of the military men, the soldiers have like fur collars. Excellent nice, tailoring. Great shoes, nice yeah. boots. Everyone looks really great. And apparently everyone's in like Balenciaga. So like, <laughs> you know. Like, you know, it comes at a price. You know, it's, it's not like it's not easy to look chic and homely. Yeah, it's not the, like everyone's in like couture. So like, yeah, it's just like North Korean couture. And then we get South Korean couture. But there is clear a clear kind of stylistic difference. Yes. Um, couture difference, that is. Yes. The rest, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But in the next episode, we will talk about the fashion of both but also the way that the drama unfolds when she does cross the border and comes back to South Korea and how it progresses from there. Yes. But thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. It's been really great. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Four episodes. And we'll see you next time. I can do it without you. Yes. Bye. Bye.